Hello and welcome to the Health in Europe podcast. I'm your host Greg Bianchi. We've launched this podcast to bring you the latest on WHA's work in the European region. Our region is broad and diverse. From the mid-Atlantic and stretching as far as the Chinese border, we work with fascinating and driven individuals and groups. This podcast is about hearing their stories and how it might impact your day-to-day life. Hepatitis is often termed the silent killer. The disease comes in multiple strains, causing inflammation of the liver, eventually leading to cirrhosis, which is the scarring of the liver, and often cancer. Many people with hepatitis are unaware they have the disease. It's spread in different ways. For example, hepatitis A and E are spread by contaminated food and water, while B and C are spread by blood and other bodily fluids. This means hepatitis B and C may be prevalent among intravenous drug users or those with unhygienic tattoos. In this episode, we speak with Patrick Hoffman, a former nurse at a prison in Luxembourg, about a project that took great steps to combat hepatitis among the prison population, for example with testing, treatment and prevention measures including vaccination, needle and syringe exchanges. They also took an innovative approach to protect prisoners from hepatitis by teaching them safe tattooing techniques overseen by healthcare workers. He told us how the program got started and how its success was built over time. There was a nurse who did uh, a graduate on the university and she had to, to look for a theme and she said, okay, the best, uh, uh, I, I should uh, do something about harm reduction. And then she found out that, uh, so she made a survey in the prison and she found out that uh, many people in the prison get tattoos in the prison but on an illegal way so they are not paying attention about what they are doing they are using the same ink for everybody uh, they are sharing needles and uh, so she thought okay we have to to do something inside the prison for these people and she wrote a program um, which was the, the tattoo studio the project was taken on by patrick and his colleague mike Comrad. But first, they had to present their case to get the initiative off the ground. Uh, okay, we have a problem. We have 600 inmates. Half of them are tattooed and a third of them have got this tattoo in the prison. And so we have to propose something to them. Uh, we have different diseases like HIV, like hepatitis, which can be transmitted by such an illegal uh, situation. And uh, yeah, we want to propose a tattoo studio. And at that time, it was Mike was con- uh, in contact with an, uh, with Erasmus Plus, and it was a project, um, an Erasmus Plus project, a peer-to-peer project. And um, he got a contact with a professional tattooer who was really, uh, who said, yeah, that's a great idea. And the professional tattooer came into prison and uh, got, um, he, he spent information about how to do a good tattoo. And so meanwhile, the inmates, they are, um, they get the information how to tattoo. Uh, to do good tattoo, uh, he got they got information about infectious diseases and what he, they should do to avoid to 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 get uh, these uh, these um, diseases, and uh, so it's on a, based on an appointment system, and the inmates can get a tattoo by an inmate in a proper way under surveillance of a nurse, and that's. Uh, it's quite simple. It did not cost so much money, and uh, yeah, it's uh, really a marvelous program, I think. 
The nurse-supervised prison tattoo studio in Luxembourg is just one of the examples of good practice outlined in the Compendium of Good Practice in Health Sector Response to Viral Hepatitis in the European Region. This has been published on the occasion of World Hepatitis Day 2020. But is the elimination of hepatitis in our region just an impossible dream? Eliminating hepatitis in our region is feasible. Um, we have all the tools necessary to eliminate hepatitis uh, uh, C, particularly, and as well as hepatitis B. For hepatitis B, we have vaccine, and, and which is very effective, and want to make sure um, the children they get their, their best hepatitis B vaccine. For hepatitis C, um, testing and start of treatment are important, and we have also cure for hepatitis C. So it is possible if we put all our, our action together, um, making sure funding and resources are available for timely testing and treatment and immunization. Dr. Masood Dara is coordinator for communicable diseases and program manager for the joint tuberculosis, HIV, AIDS and hepatitis program at WHO's regional office for Europe. He explained why hepatitis is such an important public health issue. Hepatitis is causing about 4,000 people to lose their life uh, per day. So that um, uh, is um, one of the biggest infectious disease killer in the world. It's also a silent killer because it's, um, it often starts very asymptomatic without symptoms. That people may not uh, feel that they have hepatitis, but in the long term, if it is not tested on time, if it is not treated, can lead to liver cancer, and unfortunately, um, people can die out of it. So our, our aim is to make sure that testing is available as early as possible, and people get their treatment that they deserve. Why does hepatitis often go undiagnosed? There's several reasons for that. To begin with is that um, there's lack of awareness in general population. Um, and for that, we recommend um, as wide as possible testing. Um, uh, we recommend the adult population particularly be tested in their lifetime and also people who have a higher risk to have hepatitis. For example, those who are injecting drug um, or um, uh, men uh, having infected men or other risk groups to be more regularly tested um, for hepatitis. So uh, the awareness is important um, and, and our data shows that um, uh, only one out of five people who, who have hepatitis know their status. So making sure you do testing on time. Uh, second is also a stigma because um, uh, people may not know that there's a treatment available. Uh, as I mentioned, for hepatitis C, we have even cure. So uh, knowing that disease is uh, important, but can be managed, can decrease the stigma and discrimination that may people have. So we need to work with the healthcare workers. We need to work with the uh, communities and general population to raise awareness. And also we need to, um, at the health level, we make sure the healthcare workers are thinking of hepatitis and also um, recommending the testing to be done on time. This World Hepatitis Day, there's a compendium of good practice that's being published. 
How will this help to treat hepatitis? As you know, at the uh, global level, the World Health Assembly has already um, endorsed the global health, health sector strategy on viral hepatitis. At the regional committee, uh, the 66th regional committee, we have uh, uh, endorsed the um, uh, uh, regional action plan on viral hepatitis. Uh, and also last year, we presented the progress which in fact shows more and more countries are developing a national action plan, which is a budgeted how to address hepatitis. And the implementation of those action plans are crucial. But how these action plans are, uh, are, and interventions are to be implemented depends on the country context, depends on the epidemiology in the, in the countries, depends also how the various partners are addressing the key interventions from surveillance, from immunization, from testing, from treatment, and from research and innovation. So what we have done is that we have called for best examples of how countries, how partners, how uh, communities are mobilized to address hepatitis. And based on uh, those examples submitted, uh, we uh, checked it against the predefined criteria in terms of efficiency, efficacy, sustainability, and addressing the equity. And we have selected 34 good examples from 18 countries uh, across the health programs, NGOs. And these are good practices which shows how the action plan and our guidance and guidelines and normative um, can be implemented for the impact at population level. So the whole idea behind it is that it inspired more uh, countries to do uh, similar, but also scale up and sustain those good practices for better impact. So, we're starting to understand more and more what we can do to prevent hepatitis, but will it be possible to achieve a hepatitis-free future? We asked Patrick. Yes, it's possible. For me, it's possible. So there are very good treatments. Uh, the DAAs, uh, you can eliminate the hepatitis, but it's not only the treatment. Uh, I think uh, testing is very important. You have to treat the people when they are positive and uh, they have a viral load, so you can treat them. But it's also very important to promote the, the different harm reduction measures uh, and the vaccination against hepatitis B also. But I think it's possible hepatitis B is pro probably uh, another problem, but hepatitis C is, uh, to my opinion, can really be eliminated. But it's quite a hard job, but it's, it's feasible, yes. Here's what else has been going on around the WHO European region. Hi, I'm Robert. I'm seven years old. I have a following question. Can coronavirus be on fruits and vegetables? For instance, is it safe to eat strawberries now? Thank you.
James Kresic from WHO's European Centre for Environment and Health in Bonn, Germany, answered some interesting questions from children on COVID-19. You can listen to all their questions and James's answers on our SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com forward slash WHO underscore Europe. WHO Europe, UNICEF and the International Labour Organization launched a new policy paper, making the case that the COVID-19 pandemic offers the opportunity to expand and strengthen social protection measures to safeguard health and well-being and livelihoods. You can read the full article on our website. And finally, WHO and partners have continued to deliver vital COVID-19 supplies to countries across the region. As part of the EU-funded Solidarity for Health initiative, more PPE and medical equipment arrived in Armenia and Georgia. That's all for this week. If you want to read more about Patrick's story, you can do so on the WHO Europe website. That's euro.who.int. Thanks to Dr Masood Dara and Patrick Hoffman for taking part in the interviews. Thanks also to Stephanie Brickman for her help in researching this episode and interviewing Patrick. And thank you to David Barrett for his help in producing the episode. Thanks for listening. And until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. Stay healthy.